Hello and welcome to VodkaCast for the uh, fourth, yes, fourth week of the summer 2017 anime season. I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hey, yeah, I'm here. Ben. Yo. And Aaron, who is currently virtual fishing with his cat girl. That's all right. Which, to be fair, I'd find fishing a lot more in- more interesting if I also had a cat girl accompanying me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's neither here nor there. Would be there. great if that, like, after every fish, she would just eat it. Eat the fish. Yes, exactly. That is, that is both the blessing and the curse of having a cat girl help you fish. Is that you never never return home uh, with any fish left? Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Why do I get the fan? Never mind. <laughs> As always, you can find show notes at www.projecttarhi.net or www.audioentropy.com. Uh, before we begin with our normal reviews, though, uh, I did earlier, uh, in fact, um, the, pre- the day before we uh, are doing this recording, I met up with Luke and we recorded a brief segment about uh, 20 minutes long of us talking about Symphogear GX episode one. And that went pretty well. So I'm going to just splice that in right here. Hi, so this is a segment that I'm almost certainly going to be splicing in awkwardly, uh, either at the beginning or the end of uh, the the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, I have with me Luke. Hey, it's me. I'm back. Yeah, he's back after a long hiatus. Uh, And so, of course, as a show of my appreciation for him taking time out of his day Uh to uh, help me record part of a podcast, uh, I made him watch something bad. I mean, that's my role on this show, is watching bad anime and letting everyone know how bad it is. Exactly. And so this time we watch Symphogear GX Episode 1 because uh, our... Very good and uh, very nice listener, uh, Dayriff, suggested, and I quote, Dustin, please go to Crunchyroll and go to Symphogear GX Episode 1. Okay. Watch the first six minutes. It's still one of the most over-the-top amazing anime scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, okay, okay. Um... It's definitely over-the-top. I, you know what? That. If I had stopped watching it after six minutes, I would have been all in on this show. Yeah, honestly, that's the thing about Symphogear. And to give a little background, though, honestly, it's not strictly necessary for right. anything. Well, can, can I guess about what the background that, is first? Yeah, go for it. Guess what it's Okay. About. I am assuming this is a sequel series about a bunch of magical singing pop idol girls that can, like, fight evil with their pop singing. And my guess, this part might be wrong. But I'm going to just throw it out there that this was like a gotcha rhythm game in Japan. Uh, I'm, I'm actually not sure if this ever had a video game. Just because there is a plethora of anime girls that all seem basically identical in this show. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of just what idol things are in general in Japan. Sure. Like, you know, of AP, you've heard of AKB48, right? Oh, like, sure, yeah, that's yeah. That's a real-ass idol group where they have... Well, it started out as, like, the gimmick was there were 48 of them. But at this, right. point, at this point, there are way more than 48 because they have, like, multiple teams now. Mm. But 
I mean, there was a manga and several anime television series. I don't see anything about a game, so I'm pretty well, sure fair this enough. is just. I'm pretty sure this is just like original. Okay, so it was. A, I assume that a, all these a, girls were created to be stuffed into a virtual gumball machine to be cranked out, but I guess I mean, not. I don't blame you because it very much does seem like something bordering on. Okay, this is like a more action-oriented version of. Love Live School Idol Festival or something like right, that. Right, exactly, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Well, no, and these is... days it seems like there's a good 70% chance that any anime I watch is going to be in, based on a gacha game from Japan. Oh, that's fair. But yeah, so apparently there is a video game currently in production, but it was okay. originally based off an anime. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, like, other than that, you got it in one. It's, it's a show about uh, girls who get sort of very magical girl-esque they get uh, a special device that allows them to transform into a magical right. idol uh, who gain powers from singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, then they got loaded into a missile and shot at a crashing spaceship, and then they burst out of the missile to sing a song to save it. Yeah, that is certainly yeah. So the 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 opening of this episode is basically the best thing about it in that yeah. apparently there is a space shuttle carrying an important body that's currently in frozen storage. Right. Uh, and the space shuttle, there's something wrong with it. Uh, it's about to crash land into a populated city, and they're like, "Oh no, what do we do?" And we see like some of the main characters sitting around talking, including a dude who has like. A uh, pretty dope coat mm-hmm. um, that he's like wearing, kind of like a cape. And he's like, "Oh, we just got permission from like the government or whatever." Yeah. And so they send up like an a, a friggin' ICBM or something, and then out of the ICBM pops three magical girl idols. Well, yeah, the guys in the spaceship are like, "Oh, I guess they're gonna shoot us down. That sucks, but I get why they do it." And they're like, "Wait a second, do we hear singing?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, fair reaction. Right, yeah, yeah. I assume that it's something where they have to keep singing to, like, channel their power. Yeah, yeah, they always have to sing. Yeah, yeah. That it's, it is diegetic pop music. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, like, each of the idols, again, I've only watched a couple episodes of Symphogear of the first season, so I okay. barely remember anything about it, but, yeah, right. so... One of these girls, the orange girl, has like the power of punching. Yeah, the she has blue the best girl. Power. Yeah, the blue girl has the power of swords, and like the red girl apparently has like the power of rockets or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the part of this that really boggled me the most uh, was, was the part where she used her hair clips to shoot a hole through a mountain so they could fly through it. Yes, I'm glad we're on the same page on this because, in fact, they call it out. Like, they say, oh, we're about to blow up K2. Right. AKA one of the most famous mountains on Earth. Yeah. And it's like, all right, we're just going to blow this up by, like, cutting it with my hairband and then having Punch Girl punch the, like, middle section out. Right, like, as they're bursting through it, like, it literally, it looks like a gag out of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. They, like, cut away a layer of it and the top of the mountain just falls yeah. And then back at the control room, there's just some guy who's like, we're updating the status of K2 to be the third highest mountain on Earth. Yeah, just very, very glib of that. Like, oh, guy, that's not important right now. Yeah. We can do that later. 
I do like that the way they do it is like there is a brief freeze frame when Red Rocket Girl shoots out like the missiles where it says Megadeth Symphony. Oh god, I forgot about that part. Yes. <laughs> Which is probably the my favorite and the best frame I've ever seen in this series. It's a, it's a very good frame. Um, and then from there, like, they're trying to crash land the thing, but it has too much momentum and it's going to hit a village at the base of the mountain. So Punch Girl gets out in front of it and tries to just, like, stop it by planting her feet, and that's not working. It's going to crash right into yeah, this town hall. Yeah, she does, like, like town a hall. thing. Right, yeah. But it's going to crash, like, into this town hall-type building. And she suplexes this rocket ship up and over the building. And it was pretty all right. Yeah, yeah. This is, I want to mention, preceded by an extremely goofy scene where Blue Girl extend like, just her sword becomes gigantic. She places oh, right. it and she puts it in front of the space shuttle like a cow catcher in order to, mm. like, just chop up trees that are in the way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah at this, this point, I'm like, wait a second. I thought that my job was to watch bad anime. This seems great. Yeah, I know. For a brief moment, it seems like we're actually going to be saved and watch something pretty good. Yeah. Uh, um, but then it keeps but going. Then the, but then the rest of the episode happens. And Okay, all right. In fairness, it wasn't that it was awful. It was just mediocre. Yeah. Like, you have made me watch way worse than this. And, like, if I remember correctly, this is kind of the problem I had with the Symphogear when I first watched it, is that... Mm. It had moments of, like, really dumb brilliance, like, uh-huh. the, like the opening of this uh, episode, uh, but too often kind of just descended into mediocrity. Right, like, um, all the girls are going back to school, um, and there's a million of them, so it's impossible to remember any names. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I didn't even bother. Like, Other than two of, them are, two of them are girlfriends, and that is the most characterization any of them gets. <laughs> yeah, we have a, like, brief scene of exposition where two people who should already know this talk to each other about how the Sympho Gears are now part of a UN task force. Right, yeah. The two people <laughs> at the control station in the UN are like, boy, we're part of the UN now, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's the clunkiest exposition. Yeah, well, it's, and I it's will say, since I've been on the Baka cast, our friend Ashley made me watch all of Evangelion for the first time, yeah. and I have such little patience for bad control room scenes now after watching that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that's the, fair. Um, like, that show does a lot of things I like, but they also do a good job. Just here's the control bridge, and it's, like, everyone is using real, logical, like, dialogue, and they get little moments of characterization, even though they're not important characters. Yeah, watching shows uh, that are of the quality of Evangelion will kind of ruin a lot of tropey scenes in anime for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is certainly one of them. Right. Um, kind of... There's a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't matter up until we get to the point where um, sort of we get to a scene where uh, this white-haired girl, I think she's, I want to say she's like the bl- blue blade girl. I can't remember. But, yeah, it's uh, impossible to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, like a bunch of people just suddenly show up at her house yeah. at night to have like a party to watch like two of their friends who are idols do a concert right who based on how they talk about them i assume they were involved in really cool stuff at the in the original show yeah i would imagine like they mentioned something about the falling moon incident which yeah, yeah sure <laughs> why not 
But yeah, like, and they mention how, oh, and like they have like this scene where it's a concert scene and it's very Macross Frontier. And yeah, yeah. Except neither of them have the personality of Cheryl Nome, who's actually a good and fun character in Macross Frontier. I mean, I will cut them some slack that we are coming into this story like halfway through. Maybe those characters got a lot of characterization in the first show. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically like a less fancy version of a Macross concert. Yeah, yeah, or like, because I haven't seen that, the poll I had was it looks a lot like um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, the like idol singing moments in that. Yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions absolutely has some of the sort of modern Macross influence Mm -hmm. like buried deep into it. But yeah, yeah, the the song is fine. So that was at least something. There is a moment afterwards where one of the girls laments the fact that, oh, uh, for a brief moment, they say something mildly intelligent about the idol industry where they're like, oh, these these two women are just being exploited by adults to maintain a status quo. Oh, yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> it was just this weird, like, left turn into Seriousville. Yeah, but thankfully, another girl sitting next to her on the couch is like, oh, don't worry, the idol industry is still good, actually. Right, right. I'm sure they're doing it because they love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's kind of what I like about a lot of, well, not like, but it's what infuriates me about a lot of (laughs) idol shows in that... No, Dustin, that was a 180 in terms of the word you used. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I guess, like, ironically, like in the sense of... Sure. I, I sarcastically like how so many idol things will very briefly touch on that touch on the problems the idol industry has right but like almost immediately backpedal and go like oh but actually no it's fine yeah yeah (laughs) like i remember i specifically had this problem about uh dancing all night as well yeah that's exactly what i was thinking of yeah but yeah it's it's super weird (laughs) Mm mm-hmm but uh, then shortly after that there's like a fire and like the scene transition is so bizarre at this point because it just cuts to like the control center and be like hey there's a fire and the firemen want help go uh, uh, okay yeah it's like wait we're idols why are we dealing with like fires that's right for... oh yeah that's the line I remember the line that I remembered from that which is just like they're, they've turned her into an idol, literally a false goddess, to uphold their broken worldview. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. She says it in a way that's even more intense than like what I paraphrase it as. Right. <laughs> um, but they go to investigate the fire, and there's this weird like doll vampire woman there. Yeah, I, I wrote down. Uh... I was wondering if the show was going to explain who all these people who want to kill the idols are because they mentioned like, oh, these two, like there's a bunch of people want to like are after them. So they have right to because the two that performed on stage basically have secret service agents. Yeah, and then like during this scene, like the show responds by showing me a teal kit, like a teal colored kiss vampire. Yes. So apparently, Sifo Gear knows what I like in a woman. <laughs> But yeah, it was still super weird because like yeah. she just shows up and then she like French kisses one of the Secret Service agents while like two people just look look on like not really. Yeah, and he just like it. ages fifty years in a second. 
Yeah, like she steals her, his life force. She is a key yeah, succubus. Yeah. And she's got kind of a cool design, and like she's always like holding up her dress so she can dance around, and she like has like mechanical sound effects every time she moves, like she's some kind of living doll thing. Yeah, it's actually like pretty good, honestly. Like at some point, I don't remember when, but she gets punched and her eyes roll back in her head and then roll up from the bottom. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh that's creepy and kind of cool. Sure, I'll give you points for that. Yeah, and then like in also along there we have like this like tiny girl in like a witch hat. She looks like she came out <laughs> she looks like she came straight out of like one of those Toho shooter games. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, she looks like a Toho shmup character. Yeah. Um and she's just like staring at the fire. Right, I guess the implication is she started the fire. And then, like, she has a flashback near the end of the episode where her dad is being burned at the stake for being a witch? Yeah, and I'm like, what What the What the hell is going on here? What, yeah. what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, is she, is, is, is this show trying to imply us that she has been around since, like, the Salem witch trials or something? Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, like, before we get to that, like, we get to this great, like, the combat scene is actually pretty okay. It's all right. Um, and, like, there is a scene where the, the kiss succubus, like, um, kind of trips up the, one of the idols and is about to stab her in the back in a, with a sword. Yeah, she's, like, cuts... thrown her into the air and is just holding her sword up for her to land on. Yeah, it's basically a smash up, uh, up smash finishing move. Yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, and we cut, uh, to Punch Girl who is who jumps from a helicopter in order to do her transformation scene. Oh right, yeah. Which like for a magical girl transformation scene has maybe the most sharp edges I've ever seen. Oh yeah, you're right. Like there are a lot of spikes going on in that mm. co- costume. She's going to hurt herself. And a highly gratuitous butt shot as well. Oh, there's so much butt shot. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of butt in th- not so much boobs like this show. They're no, a lot no, no. more focused on the butts. They're more focused on those pubescent butts. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> that, I, I was going to continue, but the phrase pubescent butt just... It caught like, up to you. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is not a phrase I'm a fan of. No, I get put on a new FBI watch list every time you make me watch something, Dustin. Uh, look... If it's bad for you, just think of how bad it is for me right I now. I can't I will, imagine. I will never be able to hold a government position. No. No, 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 no. It's... Also, the, the the teal, like, uh, Kiss Succubus finally tells us her name as she's having a fight with Blade Girl, mm-hmm. which apparently is Auto Scorer. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty good name. <laughs> yeah, it's an alright one. I guess it probably means score is in, like, the soundtrack. Yeah, I imagine, like, yeah. some sort of, like, uh, auto... Uh, I was thinking sort of one of those programs that you can buy for a PC that, like... Right, yeah. ...automatically translates a piece of music into, a, like, music sheets. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. She's she's just a player piano as opposed to their pure-hearted <laughs> singing girls. Exactly, yeah. She's just, <laughs> auto- she's just automated. Luke, there's depth to this show. Oh, man. There's hidden thematic depth. It's all about how automation is killing the idol industry. It's yeah. all about how Hatsune Miku is killing all them idol girls. 
Oh God, no, man! If, if this show is about how Atsune Miku is bad, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to drop it because like I'm all about that Hatsune Miku. I know you. Well, are. actually, to be more specific, I'm about that Megarine Luca. Oh, of course, yeah. You're you're is, too. Who, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she is the adult idol. Oh. As opposed to yeah, she's she's the mature idol. I see. <laughs> You, I know that you're in too deep because you know the name of one other than Hatsune Miku. <laughs> Look, I'm not the only one. I oh, just asked, I just God, asked I Ashley, okay? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You asked Ashley about Hatsune Miku. Oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> she, will, she will tell you about Hatsune That That is something we should... That is a that is another like music theme podcast we can do. It can be like this. Will, this podcast will be like the combination of uh, the let me tell you about anime, like Evangelion, combined with right. uh, the oh god, the Amory score. <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like a combination of those two things because there is anime lore behind. Oh, I have no doubt some of these Hatsune Miku songs. It'll be great. <laughs> Just you wait, Luke. Uh, me and Ashley, we're gonna... I don't... She can never listen to this. Thing. She can never hear this. I will I will specifically tweet this episode at her. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. One of the things I also wondered as I was listening to this was like, <laughs> one of... One of the things that was just like really hilarious to me is that it cuts to a like a shot of the people like the civilians trapped in like the burning building and they're like, "Did you hear something?" And I just imagine if I was at in that situation, just like being like, "Is is that diegetic J-pop songs rushing right. toward us?" <laughs> like, because the shuttle, because like like the the space shuttle people responded like that too. Yeah. So that just mu- must be something that people just aren't aware of. It's like whenever they show up, they show up with like a J-pop song. Right. Let me float a suggestion that would make this show infinitely better. Okay. If during like the fight, like with the with auto score or the like mage girl, what if it was rap battles? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So, like, combine epic rack battles of history with a shonen with a good show. thing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Epic rap battles of history, but make it good. Yes, I agree. That would be great. I would love to see an anime do that. Unfortunately, we would need someone who's good at writing rap songs. Yeah, well, I think what we really need. What's the Cowboy Bebop guy up to these days? Oh. uh... Yeah, so you could get yeah you could get Yoko Kano to write the rap songs, uh-huh. and then yeah you could get oh why can't I remember his name right now? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, just he, have him do like up. he also did uh, the, uh, that jazz anime. samurai shampoo. Yeah, um, like that's what he does. He names all of his shows after music genres. He needs like hip hop soldier. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe. I can't believe I okay. forgot that name. But yeah, get Shinichiro Watanabe directing the, the anime and Yoko Kano making the rap songs. This sounds great. Nothing, yeah, this this will be great and also will never happen, but it will nope. be great. 
Uh, sure, sure, it'd be a hell of a lot better than both Epic Rap Battles of History and Symphogear. And Symphogear, yeah. I mean, again, this wasn't bad. It just yeah. kind of was fine. I feel like it made some promises in those first few minutes that it did not follow through on. Oh, yeah. The rest of the episode is way less over the top than yeah. those first six episodes. It was like kid-friendly Bayonetta for a few minutes there. Yeah. And then it just wasn't that at all. So, yeah. I mean, like, overall, like, final judgment on this, like, I now understand why people watch Gear. Sure. I don't think I ever would myself. No, but like, me neither. I remember our, our mutual friend Alex, a.k.a. Yukira... Right. Uh, I know uh, they like Symphogear. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I, I know a few other people on Twitter who, who really like Symphogear as well. So I can do- I can totally see the appeal. Uh, it's just that you're also doing a lot of waiting yeah. uh, in between those really great, absurd like, moments. If you can tolerate the, the slower, kind of boring parts, and if those big, exciting moments are relatively common, then yeah, I can get why you'd like this show. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, it does have moments that, even if they aren't, like, sort of over-the-top absurd, are just kind of, like, like absurd just in general. Uh-huh. So, often unintentionally, but, yeah, there is some humor to be gleaned from this show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, which reminds me of, like... It, there was a similar thing that happened with uh, AKB0048, which was a show based off of the idol group AKB uh, AKB48, where... Uh-huh. They were basically sci-fi soldiers. Okay. Like, in the future, it was weird. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Maybe someday I'll I'll have you watch that as well, but I don't know. Okay. I, I kind of already reviewed that on VodkaCast. Oh, so I'm sure. not sure well, how much uh, appeal that would hold. But. Yeah. Well, speaking of next time, I feel like you, you've let me in easy this on this one. You were kind yeah. of ramping me up, so I feel like we need to go hard on the next one. Okay. I need some trash. Did you have something in mind, or did you want me to, like... Oh, if I had something in mind, that would ruin the whole point of this. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Okay, so let me me see what's being simulcasted right now. Because there's definitely got to be something. Yeah. All right, so... All right, I'm looking through here, looking for, like, something that is just clearly fan service trash. I mean, I think that Centaur Girl one is pretty fan service but also I've heard it's half-decent, so... Well, yeah, the c- c- oh, yeah, so Centaur's worries actually, like, is kind of like Symphogear, not in the sense that, that it's absurd, but just that, like, it's kind of just okay. Sure, okay. So there's not a whole lot to make fun of. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's actually not... A whole lot of what looks like fan service garbage. Oh wait, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I I take it back. Okay, hit me. So there is one. This probably isn't going to be uh, quite as horrible as some of the things I've made you watch, but it's called "In Another World with My Smartphone." Ah! Okay. The synopsis is, after dying as a result of God's mistake, (laughs) the main character finds himself in a parallel world where he begins his second life. His His only possessions are the body that God gave back to him and a smartphone that works even in this new world. As he meets all kinds of new people and forges new friendships, he ends up learning the secret of this world. 
He inherits the legacy of an ancient civilization and works together with the kings of some very with the kings of some very laid back countries on his carefree travels <laughs> in this new world. God, just like and, shit, dude, man, I fucked up. Here you go. Here's a cool phone. <laughs> yeah, here, here's, yeah, and like you can tell from the poster that this is. Yeah, there are twins. Oh my! Oh wait, no, hold on. I was looking at the wrong thing. Someone sent me a picture of a giant cat in like a cloud, and I thought that was the poster, but. Looking at the wrong God, window. I wish. I, I wish it was a giant cat. Uh, okay, no, this is much more standard anime. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah, we'll we'll do that next time. That sounds fun. All right, sounds good. All right, see you then. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, no problem. All right, that's probably enough silence for me to remember where to put that when I'm editing it. Oh, wait a minute, uh, you don't listen to this? <laughs> I try. Uh, look, theoretically, Sorry. yes. Sorry, I it just you know. I mean, those... look, I I listen to a I listen to enough. Oh, that's I give you that. You listen to way uh, too much. Also, also, I just realized. Um, I just realized today that I totally missed going to see Kizumonogatari Part Three in theaters because I'm a dumbass. I thought it still hadn't come out, but it actually came out, like, early on in April. Yeah, that it did. I mean, like, seeing it in the theaters is one thing. It's it's okay, I can watch it later. But the real tragedy is I missed out on getting a poster of, like, adult form Kiss Shot. And that's just sad. Now I'll have to oh. sell a kidney to buy it off of eBay. I was going to say, uh, yeah, the last time I looked, they were not going very inexpensive on the uh, Japanese <laughs> website. It's a, it's a real tragedy. Uh, anyway, yep. enough about my issues. Let's yeah. move on to My Hero Academy, episode 29, where Ida is having far... Where, well, where everyone really is having a lot of issues. Yeah, this and is also a... we find out Stain's quirk. Yeah. Besides being an idiot, he has a quirk. I I like how incredibly specific Stain's quirk is. Like for a lot of people it's like, "Oh, Ida has rocket jets in his legs. Uh Todoroki can cast fire and ice. Bakugo just makes explosions." Whereas Stain is like, "If he cuts you and then licks your blood, he can then paralyze you for an amount of time depending upon your blood type. It's like, wow. That's way more specific. Yeah, it's uh, almost too much information. Almost. Yeah. Also, also, I imagine you have to get used to the taste of, taste of human blood real fast. Well, if he's part cannibal, no problem. He's got that solved, doesn't he? Just saying. <laughs> Thankfully, we haven't had any evidence that Stain eats his victims yet. I, I think that might be a bridge too far. This isn't. Yeah, zero. yeah. This is. Uh, we're we're still trying to work on a uh, rating of almost acceptable. But yeah, I do like how a lot of this episode is spent uh, with uh, the boys coming to help each other. Um, like Ida tries first and gets his shit kicked in basically immediately 
and then uh, Midoriya comes in and does pretty well, and then Todoroki comes in and also does pretty well. And both Deku and Todoroki are like, Yo, Ida, stop being a moron. <laughs> yeah. Being a moron is not a great thing. Well, yeah, what I liked about it was that they uh, logically established why all these people were in the same place at the same time. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I do like that they set that up beforehand where it makes sense that they're all showing up. I especially like how Todoroki berates uh, uh, Deku for not being specific enough with his directions or something. Or not specific. It just gave his location. He didn't say why. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, come and get me. Why? You know, I have a flat. I'm dying. Help. And, you know, little things like that would have helped. Yeah, you know, little things like I'm currently fighting the hero killer. Yeah. Although, keep in mind, although, although that that makes sense, and that uh, he had to actually, you know, send he had he had to text that stuff like on the sly while facing down Stain. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So like, not a lot of time to like you know, actually type out stuff. This is fair. Yeah. I, I can understand most of that. I mean, it, it made for good, it made for good television. Uh-huh. But yeah. Since that's what, some of us are watching it on computers, some of it are watching us on television. For you people who are watching it on computers, you wouldn't understand the great television line. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, I was a big fan of this episode. Um, I again another another pretty action focused one, so there's not a whole lot to dig into. Um, but I did like the fight scene, and I liked how uh, Deku is getting more of a handle on his powers. Yeah, I have to admit, I have to admit, Grand Torino uh, did a lot of bouncing around in this episode too. Also, oh, yeah. Also, neat little callback to the uh, to the uh, to the tournament arc and uh, showing uh, Todoroki's development. Oh yeah, definitely. Because yeah, now he's just like using his uh, fire and ice powers together, like no big deal. Well, it's after he visited his mother. His mother said, "Do what you wish to make me happy," and that was what he needed to hear. Yeah. Yeah, moms have that thing about kids. I haven't figured it out yet. It must be genetic. <laughs> yeah, so I... Yeah, this this episode was firing all cylinders for me. I'm giving it a five. Yeah, I agree. I had a lot of fun with it. Yep, um, I, I can do with a five. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. All right, so Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul... Yeah. Hmm. I want to see how you do this one. Yeah. I'm not like I still really like this episode, but also I have to admit I had a few issues with it. Like, um, the the scenes with the scenes in heaven just felt like they went on too long, and yeah. the jokes they were trying to do just didn't match the tone very well 
Um, it was it was kind of just like it wasn't like bad really. It was just kind of awkward. It's like I, uh, you're spending too much time with this guys. Yeah, I think uh, I think what yeah the reason why the uh, the jokes didn't have uh, as much impact as they could have was because I think the pacing and flow was off, which uh, meant that the the comedic timing, which the show's normally very good at, didn't quite work. Yeah, yeah I did like, I did enjoy the one sequence where, um, oh God, uh, where Nina is trying to communicate to Bacchus and the duck through sign language. And they have just no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, their, their timing just got a little messed up. A little um, messed up. So that joke did uh, work pretty well. Yes. <laughs> it was... but, other, but, yeah, but other than that, it just felt way too drawn out. Um Thankfully, every every other thing about this episode I really liked. Um, I enjoyed the uh, fight between uh, Kaiser and Zazazel. Uh, sorry, Azazel a lot. Um, I really enjoyed when Rita and uh, Favreau showed up to save the day. Yeah, who was uh, that I, dude in the stands? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love how Fravro just shows up looking like a big old fat dude, uh, with just everything under there is like a bunch of smoke bombs. <laughs> he just bought every smoke bomb in the city. Well, there was oh. a sale. Oh yes, and he also uh, he also uh, <laughs> uh, throws uh, throws Kaiser's hand at him. Yeah, yes. that was super good. Yeah, Kaiser uh, gets his. His reanimated hand back for a little bit. Yeah, and at the end, Rita's going, "Come on, give it back, give it, give it, give it, give." It. Yeah, that's that's my pet now. Yeah, it's my hand. <laughs> the next one I'll make you maybe blow up, maybe not. Just like yeah, yeah. I also like how uh, they convince uh, Azazel and Favro to stick around and help them, and uh, which means that we're now gonna have a. A super action party of Favreau, Kaiser's, Azazel, and Rita, which is going to be real great. Yes, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. And, well, like I said, then they left us with the cliffhanger that Bacchus the duck and Nina and L all leave and leave Mom there. It's like uh, I'm yeah. going. To, I'm going to bring peace to the world. That yeah, it's the, kind of the only disappointment is that Jean just kind of stood around and did nothing in this episode. Yeah. Blame it on the writers. Oh, I always do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just I just want to make sure that we're on the same blame page here. Blame it on the writers. It's the writer's fault. But yeah, so I'll give this episode a four, I think. Yeah, same here. Hey, I can't go with that. All right. Uh, Fate Apocrypha. Episode four, which was significantly, I, I liked it a lot more than the previous one. Well, yeah, the thing about it though is that okay, if you uh, is that something it, it doesn't make sense when you compare it to the cold open of episode one. 
because episode one, episode one shows Siegfried fighting Mordred. I mean, to me, that just hints at the idea that the kid is going to become Siegfried at some point. Yeah, but... <sighs> like, he'll he'll find a way to, like, sort of channel Siegfried. Um, so that that's sort of what I got from that. Because, uh, like, he literally has his heart now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really liked uh, Atalanta and, oh god, what was his name? The... Lan- the... Uh, Achilles. Achilles. Achilles, right, yes. Achilles is a lot of fun. Um... I liked. Uh, is it Chiron? Yeah. Is the uh, is the other archer? Yeah, yeah I like yeah, the other archer. Yeah, I like Chiron showing off his skills, like just sniping at uh, Achilles from from way back at the castle. Uh, yeah. And Achilles going like, I know who that archer is. Yeah, um, Siegfried's master. Shows himself as just the perfect idiot. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like, uh, like, oh, who was it? It wasn't Vlad, but one of the people chewed out, uh, Safe Reed's master, and it was good. Um, yeah, because, like, and it's like he wasted two command seals for nothing. Yeah, Vlad just super casually taking out, um, Spartacus was also pretty good. Uh, as was Astolfo's, like, sort of playful fight with Spartacus, like, before that all happened. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad that Astolfo had a lot more screen time in this episode, because I think, like, this episode did a lot for them, because I kind of didn't really care for Astolfo before this. Like, they were fine, but also they kind of had the taint of those scenes with their master surrounding them uh whereas in this episode there was none of that and they got to be really funny and like actually fun um so yeah it did a lot to make me like astolfo and like actually care about astolfo mm-hmm. yeah but yeah um Overall, I think this was a pretty solid episode. Like, there were a few issues. Again, like, um, it was a little slow uh, at sort of, like, the the second half with all the, like, oh, you, you have to run away and things like that. But, like, you know, it, it's wordy as all Fate series tend to be, but uh, it was less wordy than it certainly could have been. Um but yeah, also, it, it I feel like it inherently loses a point because there was no Mordred in this episode. <laughs> uh, but you got to see, you got to see Frankenstein in action, though. It, it's true, I did get to see both Frankenstein and Atalanta, so that kind of makes up for it. Still, I expect to see, I, I expect to see more uh, Mordred in every episode from now on. <laughs> Yeah, what, Aaron? Are you still are you watching this? Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, 
Keep in mind that while I have extensive knowledge of the Fate universe, I haven't actually read Apocrypha. So I okay, only know so... the basics and some major events. So you're so you're mostly as new as we are. Yeah. Mm. Although I picked up on a few things that I think you guys have missed, but that's normal. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I also liked the um, the conversation that some of the other servants had, where they were talking about how. Uh, let's see. The red side is the side with uh, Atalanta and Achilles, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I like how the servants of Black were talking about how the like they haven't really seen the servants of Red out in the open. You mean the ma- like they're they're kind of you mean the masters? Kinda, yeah, sorry. The the masters of Red kind of like haven't shown up. They're sort of controlling from the shadows um, and sort of like speculating as to why that is. So that was. Um, that was nice. Um, but, yeah. I'll give it a four. It was a fun episode, but, you know. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. All right. Uh, Ballroom Yoko, so episode three. Um, I started out feeling better about this episode. I'm not too crazy with how, with, like, the jokes at, like, the female instructor's expense. Where it's like, Oh, here's her breast swinging in the breeze, or whatever the hell. It's it showed. It's very strange how the show treats her, um, and like it's also it's also still weird. It's also a little uncomfortable how the show treats the main female character as well as like kind of a trophy to be won by the two male leads. Um, because initially it seemed like she was gonna be, I don't know, be have more of an instructor role towards the male lead, but that's kind of not how that relationship worked out. She's something to be to have for the male lead to strive for now. It's, mm. uh, but like sort of other than that, for mo- for most of the episode, I was enjoying sort of the the trip to go see like the competition and the stuff that happened there and uh the scene in the bathroom was pretty good as well with the male lead kind of overhearing um like those two dudes shit talking uh the red-haired dancer yeah okay so the male lead is uh tatara and uh the red-haired guy is uh hyodo all right but uh yeah. yeah so for and... the most part like that was pretty good and then like the final five minutes happened i was like this is just too ridiculous yeah well yeah where he basically gets uh yeah he gets subbed in at the last minute uh yeah it's like no way in the world would that happen uh yeah, well, the thing about that is that, yeah, it was kind of like a desperate a desperate gambit that did not work. And even in the context, even in the context of the show, it does not work. Yeah, it's, it was super weird, especially since, like, the friggin' great teacher Onizuka guy, again, like, I know it's not 
the most the most accurate example, but that's who he looks like the most. Yeah, to me, he's uh, um, his that's... his name is Sengoku. Sengoku, yeah, especially since like the at the beginning of this episode, they made a point to say how much Sengoku hates, uh, like thinks uh, Tart. Uh, Tatara is a loser and will never be good and is the worst. And so Sengoku going like, "Screw it, we'll just put it, we'll just put him in." Is like, what is your character, dude? Like, I don't. What is your motivation? Like, what are you doing? It, none of this. It's. It feels so artificial, and it just bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> It's like a freaking soap opera plot twist. Uh. Well. Yeah. Well, let's. I, yeah. Not everything about. Yeah. Not everything about like how like this part was. This part of with this episode was plotted. It it didn't really work. Um. It seems like the the main like story function of uh having uh you know Tatara you know step in at the last minute is to just get him some experience dancing in competition but yeah it, i didn't it just it didn't really, it didn't really work for me um but you know yeah i just for me, like, there are only so many chances I can give this show, and if there were less other... Sh- if there were fewer other shows that I actually quite liked, then I may have stuck with it for longer, but... Compare, like... Especially, uh, like, and I know I, I've compared it to Yuri on Ice a lot, but... Even if you, like, ignore all the superficial similarities. Like, just sort of judging the Yuri on Ice with Ballroom Ayoka. So purely from a writing perspective, from a dialogue perspective, from a character development perspective, Yuri on Ice just is leagues above anything this show is doing in dialogue in character interaction in its treatment of women which is kind of funny to say considering how male focused Yuri on Ice was like it treated its female characters way way better than Ballroom Yokoso is um it's just there's I I don't know I kind of want to just watch Yuri on Ice again like rather than watch this show. Well, I, or, or or like maybe or maybe just catch up on one that's actually like super good, like Hajime no Ippo. Like, I kind of just want to watch Hajime no Ippo instead of this, so at least I can like watch something I've been meaning to that is like critically acclaimed. Um, uh, well, actually, a proper point of comparison for me is uh, is Baby Steps. Another sports series, uh, which I think is... That one was the tennis one? Yes, it was about tennis. Uh, but it, it, there seemed to be uh, a number of uh, similarities with that. Uh, but 
Yeah, when in comparing this series to Baby Steps, uh, I think uh, in terms of the story, this show falls a little bit short. But but that said, uh, yeah, although uh, although the animation in this show is much better than uh, Baby Steps, which uh, uh, considering that uh, this show is being done by Production IG and Baby Steps was by Studio Puro. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Man. But but still, that said, for all this episode's flaws, uh, the when they finally get into, like, you know, when they finally... When they get onto the dance floor, like, I really felt for the main character. And, like... And... I, I I was I you know the way this the way this episode built up uh, basically it gave me more emotional investment in the main character. Um, I I feel I feel like if that moment had like if that plot development had been earned, then I absolutely would have felt bad for him and would have like empathized with him, but. I was completely distracted through the whole thing by going, this is absurd. <laughs> um, so that kind of ruined it for me, just like just because it felt so artificial. Um, if, if it had been earned, then absolutely, that scene would have been fantastic. Because like, taken on its own, like out of the context of, the, of how it was led up to, it is a very well done moment. Um... Which is which is kind of why Ballroom at Yokoso infuriates me so much is because it could be an extremely good show uh, if it if it earned its moments better. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I said, I well, I'm coming from a perspective of having read the manga and uh, <laughs> seeing and seeing where it goes, and so I'm still I'm still invested in this guy's journey. And yeah. but I, but yeah, this episode was flawed. I will give it a three overall. Uh, I am also giving it a three. Uh, I I'm I'll have to sort of come to a decision about whether or not to keep re- keep reviewing it on the show, uh, especially since we have uh, so many other like at like things we all kind of agree are like pretty entertaining and. Um, worth talking about, so we'll see. Uh, speaking of which, Princess Principal, Episode 3, um, which was actually a bit of a step down, in my opinion, and entirely because of, like, the the mechanical voice girl. Oh, Beatrice, oh yeah, for most of the episode, she was really annoying. Yeah, it's like, I get what they're doing, um, it makes sense that there would be a person who cared. Like, it makes sense that if you were a person who cared about the princess and their life, and suddenly you're being at, and suddenly you're being told by a bunch of spies like, "Hey, the princess needs to work with us," you'd be like, "I am not okay with this." But the problem is, is that that development happened in perhaps the most annoying way and was communicating and was communicated in the most trite and tropey way possible 
that rather than have any sympathy at all for her, I was instead cheering for every single time Angie like took like like dunked on her mercilessly. Like and like when Angie like friggin' pulled a gun on her, I was like, Hell yeah, Angie <laughs> Yeah, but Which, we know that's not gonna happen because we've already seen an episode in the future. Well, yeah, obviously. And she um, obviously does turn around due to, again, us seeing an episode where she helps out. Yeah, which is what made, which is what helped this make this episode more bearable because I knew that I wouldn't have to deal with this for very long. Yeah, Otherwise, by I the end, been it's basically resolved, so it shouldn't come up again. Yeah, but man, like, if you wanted me to empathize even a little bit with that character you failed miserably show well apart from the oh yeah her father was a bad scientist and basically experimented on her yeah but yeah. again like get me to like the character first then give me the sob story also i love like, the fact that they kind of riffed on like the james bond q uh segments Oh, that was so good! <laughs> With the princess I... picking up the pen and firing it. Oh god, I feel bad because I can't remember like the the busty lady's name. Uh, Do like Dorothy. 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 Yeah, she's my favorite. Um, just because she's so sarcastic. But yeah, I loved her reaction to that because she's like, "Oh, you figured out how to take the safety off." <laughs> yeah, like, that's impressive. That was really funny. <laughs> And that would be something that would come out of Q, Bond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole thing was just straight out of James Bond, and it was great. Yeah. Also, holy also, shit, that pen blew the entire head off the statue. Yes, yeah. it did. <laughs> yeah, it's a really powerful pen. It's more like a pen cannon than a pen gun, let's be honest here. Uh, but yeah, I also am liking Ange a lot more uh than I did in the first episode. Because I feel like on the first episode, she suffered a lot from, like, we need to give you this girl's tragic backstory. <laughs> uh, so, like, she's kind of full edgelord. Well, not edgelord, but, like... Uh, again, like, full Linkin Park. Um, I don't think so at in all. that first episode. It, it, to me, at least... Okay, well, I might be being a bit harsh, but that's the impression I got. Whereas... In these episodes, you're getting a lot more of her, a lot more of a rounded personality for her in both episode two and three, which has, which makes me like her a whole lot more as well. Um, I still like Dorothy the most, but Ange is a very close second. Also, and, Ange seems to just carry around the princess wig in her like pocket, I guess. Yeah, just in case. You <laughs> never know when you're gonna need to pretend to be a princess. Like, like in the same, like right after the pen scene, she just like has it on. It's like, where did you pull that from? Yeah. Ugh. Also, uh, the actual ages of the character are listed on the official website. So Dorothy is twenty, Ange yes. and the princess are seventeen. Um, what's that her face? Actually, makes sense. Beatrice is fifteen. And Chise, the ninja girl, is 16. <laughs> okay. Those all mostly make sense. Like, yeah, I can see that. This, For once, this isn't a scenario where I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes when it makes sense, it makes sense. But yeah, uh, I... Also, I'm real curious I... if the uh, Cavorite device also acts as a shield, or they're just kind of going super stylish with Ange uh, dodging all the bullets. Yeah, well, also, <clears throat> like, remember, she got struck by lightning and did not die. <laughs> Yeah, well, it hit the so, it hit the vehicles, but yeah, yeah, she was still standing on the vehicle on uh, the zeppelin or whatever when it yeah, happened. Yeah, a medical metal vehicle that discharged lightning into her. Uh, I caught maybe that. Maybe she yeah. was wearing r rubber shoes. I, I mean, <clears throat> maybe, but also, I feel like if they wanted to make that a point, they would have. Uh, also, what way. kind of ship opens their doors using cannons? Uh, look, low budget. Uh, don't <laughs> like, question it. Don't ask questions. Like, like when that first happened, they're like, "We're gonna blow the door, bring the cannon." It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, you know, I could see Scotty now going, "You did what?" Yeah, I was like, isn't this supposed to be like the most technologically advanced top of the line ship? Yeah, that doesn't have lock picks. Oh, that's right. There's no crooks in this. Never. No. I wander. Go away. Yeah, it was it was weird. Anyway, it's still a good episode. I still enjoyed yes, it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I think I even think actually that Beatrice being annoying for most of the episode served the story. So I'm uh, not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be totally. I'm not gonna totally harsh on that aspect of it. Because I, th I think it was a bit much. So, like they definitely could have turned it down. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, the main thing. Well, the main thing that's annoying. The main, well, like the most, the thing that's most annoying about Beatrice is the voice. I mean, yeah, the voice certainly doesn't help, but also, at no point did. Beatrice make any kind of good argument and also for the most part her relationship with the princess so far has just been like tailing her like a stalker well so the there so not only is there like no actually good counterpoint presented to the spy's plan but also, there's no reason for us to care about whether or not Beatrice is sad about this. Because, if to me, Ange is the way more interesting uh, pairing for the princess. And Beatrice is just like this annoying girl who's getting in the middle of my shipping chart. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is... I have absolutely no reason to care about anything Beatrice says or does. So anything she does say or do that actively tries to impede the interesting plot stuff that's happening is annoying. <laughs> instead of like character, instead of interesting character interaction. Yeah, like I said, I'm real thankful that it it seems like the entire problem with her was resolved by the end of the episode. So I don't think yeah. we should have that problem anymore. Also, the the dude that stole the plates is possibly the most <laughs> like mustache twirling dude. He's like oh, he's in yeah. a black coat and in a black top hat with glasses. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. Right, right straight out of Steam Detectives, by the way. Just like, aw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it went over so also, well. Also, you think they have again. rules against using grenade launchers inside the ship. This bunch seems to uh, take They're... tech... Take a lot of liberties with their technology. Like, there's there's a lot of problems using explosives on a ship. It's it's generally not a good idea. Well, it's, it's none of you maybe guys, they just have very good insurance. <laughs> well, since none of you guys watch Steam Detectives, they they did some crazy <laughs> stuff like this in there too, and it's like, oh yeah, and why didn't the ship blow up? Well, because. Because why? Because it didn't blow up. No, that's not a good excuse. It should have blown up. I, I did like the scene at the end where they're like, okay, so what should our club be about? How about how much we love whiskey? <laughs> Just like Dorothy Shush. <laughs> now, you know, Dorothy is somebody that I could relate to because, you know, this woman appreciates the finer things in life. I don't know what proof rating, but she appreciates the finer things in life. Of course, she's the only one that's actually old enough to drink in the bunch, but, uh, you know, spies like us, what the heck? And yes, that was a spies like us. Yes, the chat. Uh, oh, yes, spies like us. I remember that movie. It had its moments. Yes, so in that vein, I give this a four. Yeah, same here. I just... I, uh, I'll give it a three. I dock it a point just because of how annoying Beatrice's voice is. Well, it's... I think, you know, I don't think that's the voice actress's natural voice, but to work at voicing that voice has got to take a lot out of a person. I also like Angie's speech, the webm that I posted. Oh yeah, I will deceive everyone, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is overly dramatic in a way I actually kind of dig. Yeah, yeah. I'll deceive you, the world, and even myself. Oh, uh, Angie's yes, so Ange. chuny. Angie's the ultimate chuny bio. She really is. Well, the question is, is... uh. What is the relationship between the princess and Ange? Because maybe they're twins separated at birth. Oops. Uh, just, just saying. Just we'll saying. We'll have to see. Okay. Moving right along. Yeah. Uh, Made in Abyss, episode three. <clears throat> so, like, I kind of, like, I knew that the development at the end of this episode was coming. Um, I just didn't realize that it would, A, happen so soon, and also, like, happened with the sort of finality, like, no sort of no turning back kind of um, tone that this episode gave it. Um, because like a lot of this episode is spent setting up the trip into the abyss uh, to go get uh, Rico's. Rico is the female character, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go get Rico's mother. Or to find her, um, at least. 
Yeah. And um, so a lot of the episode is spent on that, on the kids coming up with their plan, which is a lot of good uh, character interaction. I really love all the characters in this show. And I really hope that Rico going down into the abyss uh, doesn't mean we will sort of see those other characters scarcely um because i do love all of them um and i i think the show would be poorer for it if it pretty much just became they the rico and uh oh god what's the robot's Keg. name Reg. Reg. right uh yeah if it was if it was mostly just the two of them even as much as i like them together it i i need every everyone else do you want to know? Yes. Okay. It it you don't see those characters ever again. Oh no. Um however, it doesn't become just Rico and Reg. Okay. All right, good. I they, can They do that, introduce then. additional characters. All right. I I assume one of them is the, the bird person that shows up in the like opening or is that the ending? I can't the remember. Bird person? Yeah, but one of the opening or ending scenes shows like a I thought it was a bird. It was something. There is something, but I'm not sure. It was some sort of beast person. Yeah, it I is thought. a beast person. But yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just imagining a bird. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, I guess I, I just kind of wasn't expecting the just sort of clean break that happened uh, in this episode. But like... If they continue to add characters that are just as good um, as this supporting cast has been, then I it, it, it won't hurt as bad. Um, as, and like I have no reason to believe it, it the characters they introduce won't be as good just because the writing so far has been so solid. Yes. So to give you an idea, the end of this episode correlates with the end of the first volume. Okay. Of the manga. Wow. So they. Wow. So that's actually a, a slower pace than I'm. Tip, than I'm. Than I'm. I guess tend to expect from anime adaptations of manga. Um. But and, like. But like, it doesn't feel slow, which is nice. Mm -mm. And then there's so far we're there's five complete volumes out, and we're monthly into the sixth volume. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the that's the main thing that worries me about worry that worries me about this series is uh, is that I hope it at least you know because it's because it's adapting a uh, an ongoing series so I I just hope it oh, I yeah. I just hope it finishes yeah, those, up it finishes up in a good place those those dreaded uh, words anime original coming I, to oh, please don't I have I. If I had to make a guess, I know exactly where they're gonna stop this. Okay. And there is yeah, a good stopping I, point. Yeah, I, I really, just judging from how the structure of the show has been so far, I can't imagine an anime original like filler episode feeling good at all. Oh no, I'm with you. It's uh... like there are some shows that can do it, but. Yeah, this it, one it just wouldn't feel right for yeah, me the, the, This one I don't think needs to do it. I'm with you. I mean, it's just like, but you know, when when you come across something, you read that, and you're like, 
No, you guys. And, you know, and to say that it's never been done is a lie. It's been done too much, in my opinion. But, you know, hopefully uh, somebody is on the ball. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I think they, based upon the job that they've done so far, I I I don't see them screwing this know, up any. One hopes, because like I said, there's been enough good stuff screwed up in recent history with the words anime original. It's like, why'd uh, you do this? No, no. They're I I know they're gonna stop at the end of the fifth volume. All right. Okay. Because that's uh, yeah. a real good <laughs> scene to stop for. Got it. It's going to be so hard to keep myself from not reading the manga. <laughs> it's pretty good, but... I need, uh, to res- I need to restrain myself. I want to sort of... Concent- I, I want to experience this fresh. Concentrate on work. That'll, that'll take up all your free time. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway, uh, I love this episode. I am loving this series. I give it a five. It's yes. so good. Yeah, five. Uh, moving right along. Yeah, let's talk about Hellgirl, episode two. No, uh, Altair. Oh, right, Altair, sorry, yeah. So, Shokaku no Altair, episode three, um, first. Uh, which, I'm super glad, because, like, after the second episode, I was really kind of debating whether I wanted to watch episode three, because it felt very, it, it like it was it was fine, but also it was like okay, this is just yet another historical fantasy anime, and I'm not seeing the specific appeal of this one. Uh, but then I got to episode three, and I'm like, okay, there's some really interesting politicking happen here, happening here. Um, and like episode three is kind of where the meat of the show is like shows itself and the show kind of gives you hints at to as to like sort of how it's going to distinguish itself from other historical fantasies um and not to say that other historical fantasies didn't do politics like uh, again uh, arslan certainly did but this is Altair very much, like especially at the end, um, is going for a very sort of nuanced gray area approach where you have the main character trying to do the right thing and like be an honorable, like moral person, uh, but also sort of like having to deal with the realities of like if that's just how you act all the time you're probably not going to make it very far as a politician because they will eat you alive well it's like the older pasha said at the end he's like you know uh you you acted on your own you didn't think for your for everybody around you and until you can straighten your act up uh you don't deserve to be pasha so yeah so yeah, so like having a show, like having a main character where their struggle is about like wanting to be a good leader and also a good person, and finding out, like figuring out how to navigate the political arena, and also when and where they can make sacrifices 
and what is important to them. Um, that is way more interesting to me than sort of the first couple episodes that were largely like action scenes and armies moving on each other. Um, and also like the show does generally have some good fight scenes. Uh, not necessarily like great group fight scenes, but the one-to-one fight scenes are um, pretty fun. Uh, especially when, oh god, why I can't I remember the main character's name? Uh, the main character is Mamut. Mamut, especially like when Mamut is using his uh, whistle, like his, his whistle whip, or whatever the heck that thing is, um, to tie his opponent up and then like break their neck. Yeah. Uh, that was a super good fight scene. Um, and I really liked how the whole tent stuff was done. Uh, it, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't want to like be too harsh on the actual like sort of military portions because a lot of that stuff is done well. Um, but also the thing that really distinguishes this show is, um, Mamut's like internal struggles, uh, with how to be a politician and a good person. Uh, he, he's a um, peacemaker. He doesn't want a war, so he's trying. The only problem is, is he's he has no idea how the system works. So he thought he could just walk in there and say, "Hey, look, why are we fighting this war? Why do we need to do this? Why do?" Now he needs to figure out the whys, wherefores, and how it comes, and then he can go back and argue. Yeah. He, he, well, what I also liked was, uh, you know, I also liked the uh, the development that this episode gave to Zaganos. Yes. Oh yeah, the the purple haired dude, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, you know, he does have a spy network, by the way. Yes. Well, he's losing his spy network. Just nobody knows it yet. I mean, of course it does. If any, like, if you, if any dude had a spy network, it was that guy, because he looks shady as hell. <laughs> right. Oh. But but the thing about him, right? But the thing about him is that he's, uh, yeah, he looks he looks shady. You know, and he's like, you know, he's totally willing to do any kind of dirty tricks, uh, you know, any kind of dirty tricks for his country. Uh, But he is like, you know, he is willing to learn. And he's willing, you know, and he's he's willing to give Mahmoud a chance. And yeah, I mean, he could have kept he could have kept quiet and done that self interest thing. But you're right. He uh, he says, "Look, he says, uh, I'm in a position where I can't do this anymore. You do it and learn from it." But yeah. So I'm again. I'm super glad that I watched this episode. It very much turned my opinion around on the series because um, I was very close to dropping it. Uh, and now it's like, okay, I have to watch the episode ne- the next episode now. Um, so I'll definitely give episode three a five. Same here. Yep. Ditto. But, yeah, anyway. All right, now we'll talk about Hell Girl, episode two. Oh, hell. Uh, and this which... was a weird episode. Well, it, it's it's one of the odd episodes that it also like it was also super real in a way that was very sad yeah yeah it, like, because 
Right, because they're not, because, uh, you know, like, unlike a lot of other Hellgirl episodes, which are, you know, sort of like these, you know, revenge psychodramas, well, this is a completely different kind of psychodrama about... Uh, this is, like, this is two friends stuck in an abusive relationship that both of them know is abusive, but can do nothing to get out of. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's real rough. It's real rough. Um, and, like, the, the scenes with them being friends and being a good comedy duo just, like, make it hurt all the more when, like, the, the final decision actually happens. Um, which reminds me, I was a little confused. I wasn't sure what happened with that final scene where the short-haired girl gets sent, but uh, uh, I thought I I thought I interpreted it as like she pulled one on herself. No, it was no. what, okay. What happened was was that in the like in the beginning of the episode, like uh, Haru, who's the short the short girl, uh, she like she had contacted the Hell Girl, but decided not to go through with it. Uh, however, yeah, yeah, I did see that. However, at the end, her partner, it turns out, had also contacted the Hell Girl and did decide to go through with it. So yeah, so I guess what confused me was I thought you need to like touch the person with the voodoo doll. No, all you no? need, to, all you, okay. need, all you need to do with the voodoo doll is pull the string. Okay, I guess I got the wrong impression from the first episode of this series because like. The in the previous episode, the one girl physically touched the other one with the voodoo doll, voodoo doll, and then pulled the string. No, all you got to do is pull the string. Yeah. Okay. In fact, you, all right. In fact, so I, I completely like I misread the situation because of that. In fact, you can. I. In fact, you can pull the string, even with like, like even like from a like even without being even without seeing or touching the other person. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yeah, because I guess, like, th- because of the way I interpreted the first episode, I thought I was supposed to, like, think that at the end of the second episode, what happened was that the short-haired girl realized, like, what the long-haired girl was about to do and what she was going through, and that it, it had gotten to, like, such a bad point, and that she totally understood that, and that, like, the twist was that she had actually gotten the voodoo doll back. Uh, and decided to pull it herself, like, on herself. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But either way, it works. Um... Yeah. It's... I'm not sure I really have much more to say about this episode other than it was... extremely good. Um, the writing in it was, I have basically no complaints that I can think of, which is, which considering how nitpicky I am about things is kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, it was not, just not, very not, good across nip, the board. You're not nitpicky, you're just critical. Oh no, I, I, I can, I can, uh, I can be honest with myself. 
Um, I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing all the time, but I am nitpicky, certainly. Um, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, this was this was a great episode. I'm giving it a five. Yeah, I agree, definitely a five. My bad, I didn't watch it. Like I said, I don't, I don't think you'd really like most of these episodes. I know, it's, but I just had to comment. I, I went off and left the mic open for once. Bad move. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about the reflection episode one, uh, which was like the sort of co-op with. Uh, Marvel, like there was a partnership there. Like Marvel didn't really work on it, but yeah. uh, it's not. No, it's it's actually it's with uh, it's not with Marvel. It's uh, with Stan Lee's company. Oh right, right with Stan Lee's company. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, which which reminds me, I, I wonder how much they had to pay Stan Lee to get him to say like that five second uh, uh, um, next episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's probably substantial. Yeah, forty-seven million um, yen. Yeah, the reflection was weird because, like, I briefly totally forgot about what the reflection was, and so when the show opens, like, with this really stylized art style of uh, land of like Japanese like paper lanterns floating on a river. And these people watching them on a bridge. Um, and, like, there's basically no shading at all. It's all flats um, in terms of, like, the colors. Like, it's all just flat color. Uh, and it's really striking. I was like, wow, this looks gorgeous. Um, and, again, I had completely forgotten what the reflection was supposed to be about. Uh, and so I was like, wow, this is going to be, like, a really cool, like, slice of life sort of drama series about these, like teenage girls who show up on the bridge and start talking to each other and then it cuts to the superhero <laughs> scene and i'm like oh now i remember what this is supposed to be and also i'm way less into the art style now um just because it super works for the sort of like very low-key sort of char- uh, character characters talking to each other that's happening in the first couple minutes but really breaks down when you try to do traditional superhero antics with it like what was happening for most of the rest of the episode right because um, right and it's not just the art style it's it's like okay the point of comparison i thought coming up with is that it plays out like an indie comic like uh, the the uh, the the actual comparison I like more was when I was talking about this on Twitter with Fathomless Blue, and Fathomless Blue says um, it 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 re- it did remind me of the amount of early Flash animations I watched on Newgrounds in two thousand one. I'm like, that is such a hyper specific reference, but also completely perfect for how that animation felt to me. But it's not just the art style. I think it's also the rhythms. Yeah, like the exactly. way, the way this episode flow, it doesn't flow like a superhero story. It, I mean it, it. It also doesn't necessarily flow like an indie comic because if it 
flowed like an indie comic, I feel like there'd be more dialogue or like really anything of substance happening. But there's just a lot of dead time or or shots that just last too long. Well, I think um, well, what's going for there is more is like a tone piece. So so it's not yeah. So it's not a dialogue. So it's not a like a dialogue heavy story. It's like a it's a tone piece kind of story. And see the, that also doesn't fit with superhero comics. Yeah, and like again, if they wanted to do a tone piece, like that'd be fine. And I think actually you could do that with superheroes. You just have to make a very specific superhero story. Um and also like there is so little like explanation of really anything that's going on that it's hard for me to tell what tone I'm supposed to be feeling like what message am I supposed to be taking from this first episode um, because there's a lot of hints but I'm never really sure like uh, I'm never really sure about what, what the context any of this is happening in because it seems like from the first episode this is the first that anyone has ever seen superheroes and supervillains but then also there's like one of the supervillains like the the one with the water powers he's talking about how like um they like trying to be seen more and talking about like the audience and stuff and making the audience notice so it almost feels like they've actually been around for a while and just people stop uh caring they've been around for but, they've been around for three years that's uh yeah, because I, uh it specifically says in the episode that the event like the event that gave rise to superpower people happened three years ago uh, okay because like because because the context for the super like the superhero versus supervillain fight in new york city was the, they were uh, commemorating the third year anniversary of the event. Uh, okay. Yeah, I. It's just so weird because I was really prepared to be into what this show was doing. I so wanted to love it because this is the sort of experimental thing that I wish more shows would do. I love when shows play with their art style. Like, as much as I kind of hate what Aku no Hana became, um, because the writing just eventually fell down a pit and never recovered, I still love what they tried to do with the rotoscoping in that show, because... I feel like it, it very much fit the tone of it very much fit the tone of that show where it felt messy and kind of ugly and like not really clean cut. Um, which if, if Akunohana had like better writing, man, that would have been a fantastic show. Uh, but this just doesn't have, this just doesn't have the focus necessary to like, really make the animation style work like sometimes it wants to be a quiet reflective show other times it wants to be a big superhero action show 
Um, other times it wants to be like a, a drama and I'm just not sure what it's trying to go for really. And so the, the art style just feels wasted and kind of just not like it feels, it feels less like they're going for something very deliberate and more like, you know, they just didn't have a budget and this was the best they could do. <laughs> Which may or may not be true, but yeah, it, man. I, like, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure where, I'm not sure where the show is, what, what the show is really trying to do, but I'm still eager to find out and I am still going to keep watching at least the, the next episode. Uh, yeah, I might, I might give it a sec. I'll probably give it a second episode. Um, I'm going to give this episode a three. I do like how the Russian ninja escapes by just like being so on fire that he melts into the ground. <laughs> it's just very, it's very goofy in a way I like. Um, but yeah, it's reflection is the reflection is a strange show, and I'm not entirely sure how to feel about it yet. Um, but man, I I really want to like it. I really do. I want so desperately for this thing to be good. Um, I'll give this episode a three. Um, anyway, speaking of things I want to desperately like again. Gundam Thunderbolt episode 8 and the winner is man I I remember when this show made good use of each episode that it had Uh, and like didn't just spend a lot of time on fluff like this this battle scene has lasted for how long now and like did we really need to spend all that much time on it uh well okay i think the fundamental problem here is that this season has been unfocused in that yeah. because i like because what they're cuz uh cuz what they what they've been doing is they you know like the first season it was all about it was all about like the confrontation between between EO and Daryl. Yeah. <clears throat> um and but in this season EO and Daryl are like basically each fighting their own separate wars. And and so the fa- and so the fact that it, that like they're not confronting each other head on you know, has kind of met, left the story without, without, like, the right kind of momentum. Yeah, because one of the things that made the first season so good is that the action scenes were never just, like, guns and explosions and robots punching each other. Um, everything in the show like supported the character conflicts both internal and external um and the the same was true of the fight scenes like 
those fight scenes like sort of uh they enhanced those plot lines they directly contributed to them and oftentimes resolved them or complicated them whereas here you have action scenes that are largely disconnected from the main character conflicts that are going on like you have um let's see i remember io but i i, I can't you just said his name the z the yeah the xeon um, pilot with that like that has had his arm Africa, that had his yeah. arms and legs cut off uh is daryl daryl right for some reason i was thinking derek i don't know why at least i was close but um yeah like with daryl you have his issue with you know he he's alive and he succeeded technically but like at what cost you know um he's lost so much and at the beginning of this arc it felt like that was kind of going to be the main thing that we focused with on daryl was the loss he's experienced and how he copes with that um and sort of whether or not he is sort of like what judgment call he goes with as to whether or not you know zeon deserved that sacrifice from him but past that episode where we see him like um coping with the sort of symbolic loss of his girlfriend they don't touch on that at all um there are some scenes where we show him kind of struggling with his artificial limbs but ultimately daryl's conflict has been completely forgotten about other than sort of like the superficial thing of like girl i want revenge on io which barely even comes up too uh yeah and then like with io you have this new direction for him where like he lost who like someone that once was the love of his life and now he's presented with this new person who is much more in line with his own personality and seeing them develop together and that's super interesting but now even that has been pushed to the side and it's just so frustrating because like there's so many good storylines that they introduced for this arc at the beginning of this arc and then kind of abandoned for the sake of watching things blow up well the thing is this arc isn't really finished that's the pro- that's I mean, that's another problem. I mean that's true, but also like again during the first arc everything contributed to what had already been set up. It had everything contributed to those conflicts. Whereas again in this in this one a lot of this action just feels like it's there just to be there. And that is kind of like my main issue with this particular season of the show. And it's just very frustrating, especially considering how much I adored the first four episodes. But yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've already pretty much said, uh, you know, my thoughts there, uh, and I mean, I still like this show, but 
it's just it's not on the same level as the first season. It, yeah, yeah, no, not at all. So would you say it's spinning its wheels? Uh, I I would say that yeah, it, it kind of is right now. Like it's, I guess that's maybe a little harsh, but yeah, it's it's not nearly as good as it once was. Um, well, I'm gonna give this episode a three. Uh, yeah, same here. Uh, I'm gonna give the season on the whole a four. Um. I think, yeah. Oh, is this the end of this season as well? Is it like four episodes a season? Yeah, I believe so. And that's that's okay. that's another thing. Is so it's going to be a while before we get uh, any new episodes. Oh, that's rough. This this didn't even end on a particularly good. Yeah, because like because the story, it. I think that's the real problem with this season is that the story feels incomplete. Yeah, and now suddenly they have this whole thing with, like, the weird new type cult, and it's like, all right, okay, okay. Well, yes, once again, proving that new types are a blight on the UC. (laughs) New types ruin everything. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, yeah, so, yeah, season as a whole, I'm going to give... Oh, man, this is tough. Because, like, on the one hand, like, the first episode of this season was super good. Um, and I really like the female character they introduced. She's wonderful. Um, but also, like, the past couple episodes have just been kind of just there. Oh, this is tough. Um... I'm going to give it a three, I guess, just because, I mean, probably just because the ending of this season left me felt, left me feeling so underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I believe that'll do it for the episodes this week. Let me quickly check to see whether or not we have, uh, some listener questions. Uh, there's a comment from, uh, there's a comment from Dayriff. In, oh yeah, so in three thirty in uh three thirty four. Yeah, uh, from Dayriff, I just watched episode two of Princess Principal, and number one was not a fluke. This is definitely the surprise good show of the season, as well as the action in episode one. Episode two proves it has the sort of complicated deception and counter deception stories you want out of spy stories. Everyone has an agenda, and no one is to be trusted. And yes, they're all schoolgirls, even the twenty year old pretending to be a schoolgirl. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. With Princess Principal being kind of the the token surprise surprise, it's good uh, anime of this season. Um, he continues. I didn't bother with Katsugeki Token, uh, Aho Girl, or Yokai Apartment, so I can't comment uh, much on these shows. Yeah, for those first two, good call. Uh, for Yokai Apartment. Um, you might want to check it out just to see if it's your thing or not. You'll probably know within two episodes. Uh, I'm still following. Uh, I'm still following Katsugeki Token Ranbu, and like after like after like the end, like episode three is basically the end of an arc, and so episode four goes into a new arc, uh, where they get where they're given a new mission. Yeah. In a different in like. 
So like it, it skips it, you know, it moves them to uh, 1868, and uh, like the the end of the Bakumatsu period, and like yeah, it's sort of like like because okay, the action still really great because you know it looks great, you know the like the story flows well, but I don't know, it's just with the history, like. You know, they've done their homework, but I'm just not sure where it's, like, what the point of it is. <laughs> like, and, and so I think, so when it, so when it comes to the history, it's just, I feel this show has, is not living up to its potential. Uh, my, my other surprise good show of the season is Action Heroine Cheerfruits. Yeah, that is one I'm intending to catch up on next week. Yeah, I've watched the first episode. I need to go past that, too. Also, whatever. Yeah, because I've heard from multiple... Because uh, I've heard from enough people now that it's actually good that I, I do need to give it a shot. Uh, so yeah, uh, you you can expect me to uh, share my opinions on on that show next week. Um, whether or not we'll add it to the weekly rotation is uh, one thing, but um, I'll definitely talk about it at least uh, next week. Um, and yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of BakaCast. Uh, again, you can always leave us questions or comments over at www.audioentropy.com or www.projecttarhi.net. You can also email me at uh, bakacast at projecttarhi.net, or you can tweet at me at uh, StiltTheGM, because God knows I need something good to look at on Twitter. <laughs> and, yeah, and you, can tw- and, and, you can tweet, and you can tweet me at DeathSlinky. And you can contact me on the website like you always have. Or I stalk him in Guild Wars 2. Well, you, you have to figure out where, where I am there at times. But yes, I, uh, you, I can be found there occasionally. <laughs> That's your goal, listeners. Find out where Larry is in Guild Wars 2. Good luck. Yeah. No, you're getting no hints from us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we won't say I'm hard to find, but my own group sometimes goes where are you? I ping and they go, but you can't be there. <laughs> I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> and I am. All right. Okay, without further ado, Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiribosh. Uh, I'm still on my original kick. Watch anime much better than terrestrial television. Bye-bye. Creature's awesome, though. <laughs>